0: Well, good morning. Right. <laughs> How are you guys? Um, it's been a been a good week, right? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it has. It has. The Lord is good, and He has blessed us. Um, oh, yeah. It's a it's always a great joy to to come and you know, open up the book. Uh, one of uh, a preacher that I was introduced to early on a couple months ago started you know he's like go go to the book you know we can we can figure things out from there and we can learn from the scripture of of what god says and and see that he has revealed himself to us. You know, the bible deals with what is true, you know descriptive passages as we've read in Genesis or Deuteronomy uh, other places are very very upfront with the sinfulness of man, right you know they are talking about our fallen nature. The Bible tells us of things like the mystery of the Trinity, the sovereignty of God, and the free will of man. you know these things are are hard for finite creatures to understand to to grasp the infinite is impossible unless it is revealed, and that 's why we call the Bible revelation because it is the revealed breathed out, written out word of God that tells us about Him. Going away from this breathed out text in any way is a form of danger. You know, Jude has been showing us that. You know, throughout this letter he's spoken of Sodom and Gomorrah. He's spoken of rebellions and wild waves. There are countless examples in the history of man. Now Jude has Shown us, has pointed to us all of these examples throughout biblical history, warning his readers of the dangers. As we've been going through the study, some huge examples have stood out to me um, through through our history, even American history. And because of them, and because of even the ones in Jude, it's important to know this book to know what is going on. You know, it's to have the knowledge of truth within us is the most important venture anyone can take today. Uh, the, the story I'd like to share with you today started in May of 1931. And yes, this is a non-fiction story. It is it is true. When a boy named James was born, he grew up going to church. He went on to university, and he decided to go into ministry. In the 1950s and 60s, he was a well-known individual in Indianapolis, Indiana. He was known as a charismatic preacher and a civil rights activist. In 1955, he established his own church. He was well-known for helping the homeless and served as director of Indianapolis's Human Rights Commission. In fear of nuclear war, he takes his church to California and they go to a couple different spots and settle there in the 70s. Uh, in California, he becomes a, a prophet and he obsessively starts exercising that power and many various allegations from family members come towards him and, and he's like, okay, it's, it's time to move again. So he moves his church, him and himself, t- to his church in Guyana. South Africa in 1977, he sets up a a commune. James there became the ruler. He actually set up a a a, a throne. Jeez, I, I can't say the word. He he set up a throne, calling himself Jesus, calling himself Vladimir Lenin. He he was the the ruler, he took passports, he took millions of dollars, he manipulated his people and even rehearsed mass suicides to find weak links. In 1978, that November, Representative Leo Ryan of California arrived in Guyana Guyana, uh, with newsmen and relatives from the group. Four days later, Representative Leo Ryan was killed with four others on an airstrip near the commune by followers of Jim. Uh, of James and then on November eighteenth, 1978 he ordered all of his followers to drink cyanide adulterated punch. Uh, when I was thinking about this story uh, I you know, hesitated to kind of share it but then at the same time I was like you know yeah you know, not many people sit there and watch documentaries you know and and uh, and read about these things you know not many people know their history even in the, in the 50s and 60s, that's not that far long ago. Uh, this man seemed good. His inclusion of blacks and whites together was, was hailed at the time. He was a civil rights activist. But when it came to the Bible, he quite literally picked it up and threw it to the back of his church. And became that prophet. You know, he became not the revival preacher as, as he started. He was very charismatic but he became known today as probably one of the most evil cult leaders, Jim Jones. And he believed not in the Bible, but as some of his last words, as you can, you can listen to the, the tapes of Jonestown, as he believed in a revolutionary suicide that led 913 people to their deaths. And sadly, 276 of them were children. Jones' ideas stick out to be very deadly. Jim Jones was not influenced by the Bible about what he did. If you listen to his preaching, it is actually very Marxist, very revolutionary, and very deadly. As I thought about this, this history, what is, the, what is the church to do? How are we to speak to people and speak to people's lives that are being misled? by ideas like this, by culture, which is the world, this this over-consuming system. And how are we to lovingly tell the cultists that judgment and hell come towards those who stand against the Lord? That we sound the warning, we point to history, we point to biblical history, as Jude has done, and say this did not end well. Don't think that this itself will end well. <clears throat> you know, Jude is just like a documentary. I think that's maybe why I like the book so much, is, is that it is like a little little documentary that you can you can see, you know, he's telling us what has happened to angels, to men, to cities that did not know their place and rebelled against God. It is the same with the unnoticed, with the cults, with the religious, with the spiritual, with the woke, with the unstable. We in ourselves cannot solve the issues plaguing us because as we can see, we are the problem. Sinners, sin. Sin is in the world because it is in us. Repentance and believing upon Jesus is the only thing that brings about redemption for man. That doesn't mean that we don't do good We don't seek justice. We we do those things. We do mercy and we seek to walk humbly with our God because sin is in us. Therefore, we walk with Him. We read the book to have good theology, a good biblical worldview, because as we see even in Jones's case, bad theology and a bad worldview have consequences. Jamestown Jonestown exemplifies that coming judgment will happen and we need to understand that this is not a light issue but a hard reality uh, let's, let's pray before we go to the text before us today Father God we, we thank you, we thank you for today, we thank you for the grace you have given us through Jesus, your son. We thank you for the word. We thank you that you are God alone and forever you stand and your word will stand and none of it will disappear. Lord, I just pray that you would cut us by your word. Help us read it and understand it. Help us apply it. That in Just like in Esther's case, in such a day like this, that we're here. We're here as a church proclaiming your word, coming together, fellowshipping, worshipping with you, worshipping together, singing to you. Thank you for that. Thank you for your amazing grace. Uh, Be with us in this time of of looking at your word, Lord. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So today we'll be in in the book of Jude verses... 14 through 16, if you please turn in your Bibles with me there. It states this, it was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, behold, the Lord comes with 10,000, thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly, of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him, these are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loud-mouthed boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. Now, today in Jude we we see that he speaks also about these, for there is a coming wrath that will execute judgment and it will be on those who have spoken against him now Jude speaks to his listeners saying this about the unnoticed ones it was also about these that Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied saying behold the Lord comes with ten thousand thousands of his holy ones Jude points to this, this prophecy from Enoch and Enoch here says behold see this observe it Take regard, for it will come. It is coming. He says that the Lord will come, the master of all will come, the creator, the lawgiver, the sovereign one will come with all of his holy ones, with all of the saints and all of the angels. The Lord will come to earth. Now, the spoken word impacts lives, this is the word, the Bible is the word that leads to life. And we, you know, we, we come to the, the second quote in Jude. We dealt with the one about the assumption of Moses. We come to the second quote in Jude that is from a non-canonical source, which, which means that it is outside of the canon of Scripture, the book that Jude is apparently quoting from, even though it wasn't written until the second century. So this, this quote was around. You know, the quote and its substance can actually be found throughout Scripture, and we should not easily dismiss this quote, for, for Jude is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so there is validity for his reason quoting it. We understand that Jesus is coming back, that he will come in all of his glory with his holy angels, and these truths should establish us, and in our hearts have holiness, because the Lord is coming and all of his saints as well. You know, this is not a, a hidden birth or a humble king coming to die for all. It is Jesus coming back to bring punishment. Uh, please turn in your Bibles with me to Second Thessalonians chapter, chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians, uh, chapter 1, verses 6 through 10, is what we'll read. It states this Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflicted you, to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well to us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance upon those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the, glo- his, from the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled among those whom, whom, who have believed because of our testimony to you was believed. The Lord of all will be revealed from heaven as he comes back. He will bring his angels. He will bring vengeance upon those who did not know God or care to follow his gospel. These people, no matter what, what movement, no matter their heart's intent, no matter the work of their lives, will suffer punishment forever. Eternal destruction. Apart from God and apart from his glory, on that day, the saints... The set apart ones will be glorified, and it will be a marvel. For even by the saints, the world will actually be judged. We need to come to see this huge reality in Scripture. You know, not to become the fire and brimstone preacher or the the Bible thumping moral guy. You know, those I don't know if anyone says those anymore, but they're you know they're still out there. Those those. Those sayings, but we need to be the people that warn that judgment day will come, that any nation, tribe, any people will stand and fall by but what they do with one man. Please turn in your Bibles with me to Daniel chapter 7. verses uh, 13 and 14 state this of Daniel 7 I saw in the night visions and behold with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man and he came to the ancient of days and it was presented before him and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and languages should serve His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. And we know, we know by biblical evidence that the Son of Man is Jesus, the Messiah. He is God, God alone, because he can be presented to the Ancient of Days who is God the Father. And the Son was given dominion and glory and a kingdom and all of creation is made by him and for him and all peoples, nations, and languages should come to serve him. For his dominion is forever and it will not be destroyed. You know, that's, you know, uttering, hey, it's not going anywhere. This is a warning of judgment coming for our good. The spoken word tells us that by knowing the king, we can enter this eternal kingdom. You know, this is The light we live out as believers in him because apart from the Messiah, is there really hope? Apart from his spoken out and revealed word, is there anything else to hold to? Jude continues writing that the Lord would come to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of their, of all their deeds of ungodliness and that, that they have committed in such ungodly ways. Jude says, Behold this, the Lord will come with his holy ones, with the angels and saints, and execute this. This will come about. This plan and this course of action is coming. Judgment will come. Distinction will happen. Everything will be brought into an account. The Lord of old will judge. He will convict all the ungodly it will be declared and sentenced out. All guilt will be found out and their deeds will be shown for the ungodly have committed them. Now this is the judgment that will come upon the world. Now, please turn your Bibles with me to John. John chapter 3. I read uh, verses 16 through 19. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than light because their works were evil. God so loved the world. This is why he sent his son to die for the whomsoever will believe upon him. Because he does not want anyone to perish. He brings deliverance. You know, Jesus came at his first advent to Excuse me, to not condemn the world, but to save it. Now, whoever does not believe upon the sun is, is condemned. This is the lion in the sand. For all of humanity, do we trust the sun? Do we love the light? Or are we about the darkness? Do we mock the sun? Do we, like the nations in Psalm 2, rage against him? No. Jesus is their only deliverance from the wrath to come. He, here at judgment, all faults will be found out. For the Lord will be the one who reproves the nations. There you go, quoting another Christmas song in Ju- in July. <laughs> but you know, He reproves the nations. You know, he finds out faults. You know, the ungodly will be unable to hide. You know, an old doubt will be gone. For everything will be in the clear. And we as the church community stand even now with our master, the light, the light that has come into the world, and we stand in this light of coming judgment, that no matter what the world brings or what the times do to us, standing with the Messiah and the light is worth it. Now please turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 10. this is a a little bit longer passage but I I really just wanted to read the whole context because it is so amazing. Verses 16 through 33 Jesus says this Behold I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves beware of men for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my name's sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious on how you are to speak or what you are to say. For you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. Isn't that nice? The Holy Spirit is your speechwriter. Like, boom, here it is. <laughs> <coughs> For it is not you who speaks, but the spirit of your father is speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and father his child, and child will rise up against their parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated for by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, if you will not have you will not have gone through the towns of israel before the son of man comes a disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master it is even enough it is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and a servant to be like his master if they have called the master of the house bezeable satan how much more will they malign those of his household so have no fear of them for nothing is covered what will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim in the housetops, on the housetops, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father." but even the hairs on your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more val- of, of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Now, the day of reckoning will come for this world but it will be a day of hope for the believer. That those in the world, but not of the world, will stand before their king and savior. In this world, we are here for the namesake of Jesus. But we have to remember, we are sheep among wolves. The world is savage, but the believer is a gentle little animal, right? (laughs) That needs his shepherd. And we need to be as wise as serpents, yet gentle as doves. I'm like, oh, that's perplexing. <laughs> we need to have the example before our king of glory to see the perplexity of this. He came as a baby born to die for his enemies. And that means that as, even as we're drugged into courts, even as we're beaten and belittled for our beliefs, we love those who persecute us and bless them. That's Romans twelve, fourteen. For whoever denies Jesus will be denied by him, and that's you know what we're to be about. We're to tell the world that no matter the times, to be reconciled to God through Christ. For the world and the unnoticed will be shown their deeds at judgment, and all their works of ungodliness will be shown And all of their ways of wickedness will stand before their maker, former lawgiver, and judge. Jude brings it to the subject of speech. He writes this, And and all of the harsh things that the ungodly sinners have spoken against him. For these ungodly, their language is is jarring and loud and crude. It is directed to the Lord of all their vulgar speech is pointed at the holy one the sovereign one the creator the redeemer jude goes on saying they are grumblers malcontent following their own sinful desires and they are loud boasters that's a cool word right <laughs> they show favoritism to gain advantage on judgment day they stand before god and every deed will be out of the darkness and every word stands there too. Uh, Please turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12 and just verses 36 and 37. Jesus states this, I tell you, excuse me, I tell you on the day of judgment people will give an account for every careless word they speak for by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. Every word matters. Even the careless ones matter to you, almighty God. The questions like this come down. Are our words healing or hurting others? Are our words comforting others or, or breeding conflict? You know, The unnoticed, the ungodly have spoken harsh things about God. They haven't Listen to his word throughout the text they they mock his message and his messengers. they go their own way throughout Jude. they are in rebellion against the Lord of all these sinners have spoken, they have murmured as the text says, they have complained against God, they complain about their lot in life, they are discontent, you know and so they go after their lusts and they are in this swollen boasters was another one i found for that um loud mouth boasters they flatter people for gain the unnoticed ones the ungodly the world does this but the church should not be about any kind of favoritism now please turn in your bibles with me to james chapter 2 You know, just as we spoke last week about the table, uh, the communion table, the potluck table, being at the center of Christianity, uh, because the table shows us that we're equal, just in the fact that we are mago day, we're in the image of God, we are fallen sinners, and we are only redeemed by the blood of our Lord. So it comes to even the church community service now, that we. Also, are equal at our services and here in James chapter 2 verse verses uh, 1 through 3 James says this my brothers show no partiality as you hold the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ the Lord of glory for if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in and if you pay attention to one that wears the fine clothing saying, you sit here in the good place while you say to the poor man, you stand there, or sit at my feet. The followers of Jesus are to show no partiality because we, we know these truths that man is created in the image of God and therefore life matters from womb to tomb and the soul is forever and will forever reside somewhere after death. C.S. Lewis says this on the subject, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, art, arts, civilizations. These are mortal and their life is to ours as a life of a gnat. But it is the immortals whom we joke with Work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal, imm- immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. You know, as we understand this, we understand that you know, man is a fallen sinner. And before the law of stone and the law in our hearts, we see that judgment will come, that we'll stand there in our, in our own, and that's where the ungodly and the unnoticed stand but we also see and rejoice in that even at the cross we see that we are yet you know, we are fallen sinners we have fallen short of the glory of God there's no distinction but Christ died for the ungodly and by believing upon Jesus the Messiah we can come home you know, the way of pride, lust, gain and favoritism is, is thought of a way of life but it leads to death and that is of no advantage. Now, this is the way of the sinner, the way of the world. That's not the way to go. The Lord says this you shall not you shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. But in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. That's Leviticus 19:15. Don't be the mob don't be the one that takes the bride the bribe yeah, don't do that either unless you're the husband I'm <laughs> you know, seek justice do mercy walk humbly with your God and then the question comes to well why why should we do this well because it's the cool thing to do in the day it's, it's, it's the rage no we do this because this is what God is like this is who our God is This is whom we are to be transformed into by the renewing of our minds, to be as the Bible says, for the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God who is not partial and does not take bribes. That's Deuteronomy 10, 17. This is what we stand for, righteousness, justice, and light. And those that stand against it Are the unnoticed and ungodly? And the unnoticed and ungodly stand against it with their speech and their deeds and their heart will be before God. And that's why we as the church sound the warning and point to Christ. Now, today we, we see Jude speak from this prophecy also about these that the Lord will come, he'll come to the world and execute judgment. Upon the, all the ungodly and unnoticed because of their wicked deeds and the words spoken against him. You know, what this means is that the Lord stands against the proud, but lifts up the humble. That God, it means that God will judge the world of the wicked. And that is why we need to understand that there is no escape from the wrath of the Lamb unless we trust in the Lamb. You know, and it also means that it's not the biggest sinner contest. You know, it's, it's not being less worse, less worser than Hitler, Stalin, Manson, or, or Jim Jones. But the little things matter too, right? You know, God does not grade on a curve. So how do we apply this? How do we apply this to the world today? You know, you know this, this made me think, you know, hey, we need to, we need to guard our speech, you know, we need to we need to stay with our shepherd. You know, we need to be gentle in understanding that the world is ravenous. We need to be as crafty as serpent, yet gentle as doves as well. And you know, we need to make known to the world that judgment will come and everyone will be found out. So let us hold to and, and study the spoken and breathed out word of God this alone points us to the grace alone that's in Christ alone for there is an everlasting kingdom coming and the only way to get into it to enter at the gate is to come to the king repenting of our sin and believing upon him and resting fully in him putting all of our weight and trust in him well, let's uh, let's close in a word of prayer oh, Father God we we thank you for today. And we thank you that we can come together and sing and worship and know that your kingdom will will reign. You will reign forever, that no, no plan will send you searching for a new way to go. You're the sovereign Lord of all, the King of all glory, and we <laughs> worship you, sovereign one. Help us Read your word and understand it. Help us love. Help us be gentle in a world full of uncertainty and hate. Help us love. Help us pray for all people. Pray for our leaders. For peace. So your witness, the witness of Christ, will go forward in uncertain times. Lord we thank you for this time thank you for your word and we just uh, pray that you would just guide us and direct us in, in going forward and thank you for today Lord it's in the name of Jesus we pray amen